It's the midweek fix. I'm ready for it, too. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. 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 Hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politics. The midweek fix. Pastor Toby Chalk Knox on the water boy. Oh, I got to show the if show. If you guys remember June 30th. Last year. You own this, ain't you? Our city council <laughs> voted in the mask mandate. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, the, the same okay. mandate I got arrested under in okay. September. I'm, yeah. I'm ready for you now. Right? All right. Ready, you ready, 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 He's ready. already there. Last year. <laughs> I was getting arrested. <laughs> no, 2.30 no, in. <laughs> um, of the mask mandate. <laughs> uh, so that happened last year. Our city council, three days before July 4th, four days before July 4th, voted in the, the mm-hmm. resolution where they required you to mask. You can celebrate your freedom, but but not the, too But much. the resolution clearly allowed for if you were sitting down in a restaurant, you didn't have to wear a mask. If you were standing up at the restaurant, you could get a $1,000 fine and up six months in jail. What's right. wrong so with people? The very logical, scientific yeah, yeah. resolution. Mm. Uh, because uh, I read that the virus only goes at about yep. five feet in the air. Yep. So it's, yep. that's, that's how yep. And that's why works. children don't really get it. Yeah, they're it. short. Yeah. Short so people they, don't, they get, don't it. get it. Yeah, midgets. Yeah. Aaron Snell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come now. Uh, come now. Also, hey, you guys, our conference is filling up. We're so pumped about Tennessee. Excited. We got, you know, the, the Friday speakers we've already kind of rolled out. We're going to be rolling out more speakers and SWAT talks as we go along. But uh, Pastor Vody Bauckham, Pastor Wilson. Uh, Pastor Wilson, did you give him his talk yet? On I did. Gay? Okay, so. Gay pulpits. Gay pulpits. Um, and why, uh, what is it? What's the what's the tagline on it? I, I told gay him it pulpits. was something to do with effeminacy and un, and apostate kids. And unbelieving kids. Here, here's it. Here it is. Uh, politics of feminism, homosexuality, and unfaithful children. There you Ooh. go. Gay pulpits. Gay pulpits. You want yep. to, it, the conference is probably worth it just for that talk. <laughs> I, I, you know, for real. I, it, I gave, when I texted Vody Bauckham his talk, his talk is critical sex theory, how to keep Marx and Freud out of your bedroom. Yeah. Vody was like laughing and they're like, are you serious? And like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're serious, Absolutely. Vody. We're yeah. serious. Absolutely. And did you know, so we're, we're in northern Idaho. We're up in the chimney in this heat wave. We have yeah. a big heat wave. Yesterday it was 106 up here, which is unheard of for us. Yeah, and it was 100. It's probably going to be around 104 today. But Seattle Times headline said, um, "Heat inequality um, in county. It's hottest where vulnerable, less affluent live." Heat inequality. Heat inequality. Yeah. Heat inequality. That's uh, so the temperature. Yeah. Is CRT. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the temperature's woke. The, the weather's woke. The, the, the climate. The climate is racist. That's Seattle Times. It's a headline. It's the top headline yeah. on the front page of Seattle Times. Hey, guys, I'm really excited that we have with us on the show today uh, Mr. Bill Askell. Uh, began his ministry at Bethel in September 2005, Bethel Baptist Church. Oh, he went well, out Bethel and Reading. <laughs> I was like saying, oh, we're going to get some angels. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get have, some healing up in here. brother on here, but this is a pastor, man. Pastor Ooh. Bill Askell. Uh, 28 years ministering in Louisiana Baptist churches. He's a former vice president of the executive board of Louisiana Baptist Convention, as well as former president of the Louisiana Baptist Pastors Conference. Ooh. He served as the chairman of the board of Founders Ministries. Founders. Yeah. yeah. was the coordinator of the Saved by Faith Youth Challenge Camps for young people. He received the MDiv degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Bill and his wife, Karen, have five grown kids and 11 grandchildren. Praise God. Uh, Bill, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Glad to be here. I have 15 grandchildren now, oh. by the way. Got to update that. Praise God. Praise God. baptize your kids if you have children. <laughs> <laughs> where did that happen? Hey, Bill, uh, where, where are you pastoring right now? 
Bethel Baptist Church in Owasso, Oklahoma, which is just oh, north of no. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're an Okie? Did, did you guys So I was born in Denison, Texas. First line of defense was Okies crossing that border. Watch yourself. Well, you yes. know something? I was actually born in southeast Texas in Beaumont. There's, there's two types of people in the world, those born in Texas, those who wish they had been. <laughs> and I was. I'm both those people. <laughs> did you guys know? Did you guys know that Bill used to be a rapper? What? Did he really? Yeah, his rap name was Mad Dog Askel. <laughs> That's right. That was his rap Are name. Are you serious, Bill? No. <laughs> I didn't do much rapping, but I'm, a, I'm an international karaoke star. I'm <laughs> there you go. Karaoke in China, yeah. Um, and uh, apparently you are also a resolution saving ninja. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I, we, uh, we have, we watched with great joy yeah. and enthusiasm, uh, the SBC, uh, Southern Baptist Convention a couple of weeks back here, uh, you there doing, uh, uh, what do we call those? What we call those moves? A parliamentarian Nin- yeah. ninja moves? Yeah. Statesman. Um, so, uh, just maybe back up for people who might not have caught it all. Um, there was a an abortion resolution that was submitted. End abortion it, resolution. It, 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 yeah, end yeah. abortion resolution. It was maybe on the verge of getting canned. Um, <laughs> it and, was. Yeah, and you and it got saved. What happened? And and how did it get saved? Well, we went into the convention knowing that the likelihood of our resolution calling for the abolition of abortion, it was not going to see the light of day from the committee. And so we did some groundwork. We passed out 7,500 copies of the resolution, very nicely done, talked to a lot of messengers. And so I had already reached out to the parliamentarian of the, of the SBC weeks before saying, I don't think our resolution is going to uh, get any uh, playtime. What can I do? And so we walked through a scenario of how I could get it out before the people. So he was expecting uh, my challenge and had already prepared uh, J.D. Greer for it. So it was a, I appreciate Barry McCarty, our parliamentarian, working with me. We had a game plan that if it did not come out, that we would uh, call for the uh, messengers to vote two-thirds, overrule the committee. And uh, and that's what they did. And the way the Lord did it, by the way, was just was wonderful. Uh, had the committee brought our resolution out, they would have butchered it. Uh, mm-hmm. They would have taken it and just hacked it apart. Yeah. And because they didn't and because we called for it to come out of committee, that put us in the driver's seat in control of our own resolution. Mm. Yeah. It's so, so, Bill, I just got to ask, when you said, like, you, I was there, and I saw that two-thirds vote, I was amazed. Part of the thing that I was amazed about was, did the committee, are they out of touch with the messengers? Because to have that two-thirds vote, overwhelmingly two-thirds vote. Yeah, it was 85 to 90% is what our guys estimated. Yeah, me too. And I'm like, well, how out of touch do you have to be where the people who come here are saying, how could you have missed this? Well, I, I think we are uh, have leaders that are out of touch. They, uh, the Resolutions Committee basically, when we did that, uh, gave us a, 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 a SBC equivalent of Greta Thunberg's How Dare You. <laughs> yeah. 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 Was that a Litton quote? <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard him use it. I don't think he attributed where it came from. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. So, so Bill, oh stop it. How, how, how often? I'm not. I'm a. I'm just a rowdy Presbyterian, so I don't understand. I don't know SBC politics very much. But how does? How often does this kind of thing happen? I don't think it's ever happened. Wow. wow. Just for forty something years, and I read one article from one of the major newspapers that said it was it had been more than fifty years. 
because if the resolutions committee doesn't want it to see the light of day, it doesn't see the light of day. Yeah. And in SBC field politics, if it comes from the platform, it's canon law. Yeah. And for you to challenge the platform uh, means that you're at odds uh, with the vision of the Holy Spirit. And, and so we, <laughs> we knew we were still a uh, battle, but we also knew we had a good resolution. And I've had a sense for a while that Southern Baptists want to see some action. They're tired of talk. They're tired of promises. And so we put this resolution together. Uh, it's, it's got teeth in it. Uh, it's, a, it's a robust resolution. Yeah. And we thought if we could get it before the people, it would have an opportunity to pass. Bill, why, why is a end abortion resolution uh, you know, so taboo or so um, uh, controversial in, in the SBC? That's a great question. Uh, because there, there is a secular pro-life industry mm. that has co-opted the SBC's thinking on the issue of abortion. Uh, it is uh, it is in league with the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. We found out, um, much to our uh, chagrin, that it, our ethicists at our seminaries in the SBC have also bought into this. And so anything that comes that challenges the status quo of, of uh, pro-lifeism, the pro-life industry, and I make a distinction here, there are good, precious people who, who are pro-life. They, they want to see abortion ended. Yep. But the pro-life industry has no interest in seeing abortion ended yeah. uh, because their funding will dry up. Uh, and so we challenge that. Yeah. So let me let me follow up here real yeah, yeah. quick. So Denny Burke wrote a, a blog post against the resolution. And then he wrote another kind of follow-up post after the resolution passed. Um, right. uh, now, here's a, this is just a paragraph, a little quick. I'm going to read a paragraph, and I want you to comment off it. He said, he said, Denny Burke says, the reason that messengers approved the resolution was because it was clearly anti-abortion. But I think it was lost on the messengers that the resolution was also a repudiation of the pro-life movement. And therein is the problem. While the resolution supports the immediate abolition of abortion, and Denny says, which I also support, he says that clearly, it also rejects all pro-life measures aimed at limiting the number of babies killed through, the, through abortion every year, which every pro-lifer should vigorously oppose. Thus, the resolution is opposed to the Hyde Amendment, a ban on partial birth abortion, fetal heartbeat bills, parental notification laws, and a host of other pro-life measures that have saved millions of unborn lives. The resolution makes the perfect the enemy of the good and has thrown the pro-life movement under the bus in the process. Um, what, what's your comments in response to that? Well, he's misrepresenting our resolution, number one. Uh, I, I'm not going to. Oh, right. Uh, so I, I don't know if uh, if he doesn't understand. I can't. I'm, I'm hard pressed to believe that these guys we have teaching in our seminaries uh, who are brilliant in their own right do not understand uh, the difference. And mm -hmm. so I just think he's wrong. Uh, we're not we're not trying to undo anything. That was one of the accusations leveled at me by a fellow. Uh, I forget where he was from in the debate. He said, you're, you're walking us back. And my response was, no, we're walking you forward to the immediate abolition of abortion without exception or compromise. If anybody says they believe in immediate abolition and then opposes this resolution, they're schizophrenic at best. Mm -hmm. Mm. You, you here's the, here's the, uh, if, let's suppose we play this out and we were actually to get legislation passed based upon the concept of abolition you don't need any pro-life procedures at that point they're useless because abortion is illegal it's been abolished 
you ended it. Incrementalism is dead at that point. So my question is, why are they clinging so tenaciously to incrementalism? There's some, the pro-life industry stands to lose a lot of money. I don't know why seminary professors would be clinging so tenaciously to it. So you, you cut out just a little bit early in your answer. I just want to make sure we didn't miss your full answer. But okay. so, so when um, so when somebody like Denny Burke or, or, or others say, but a uh, heartbeat bill, maybe we can get that passed, you know, this legislative session, that'll save thousands of babies. Um, yeah, we want to end it. Um, is is it true that this resolution opposes uh, the, uh, the, the support of Christians for a heartbeat bill? It's true that this resolution opposes anything that does not honor God in its efforts. And we don't believe God is honored when we go incrementally and say, we'll try to save this one. You can kill these, uh, but you can't kill anybody that has a heart. That's just wrong. God doesn't think that way. He wants innocent bloodshed stopped. So it does seem like Denny's been being a little accurate when he said this resolution um, opposes the Hyde Amendment, fetal heartbeat bills, and so forth. We don't believe they honor God. We're not going to personally oppose them, but we're going to put forth a, a position that's more biblical, uh, more designed to uh, for God to bless. See, we've got a problem in the SBC right now. We're in, we're in decline. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Nobody can seem to figure it out. And my thinking is, if God hates the shedding of innocent blood, and Southern Baptists have not come out and forcefully, clearly stated that, then could it be that God's got his, his, the, his heel on our necks until we finally say we repent, of, of playing games with this issue. This is the number one issue. This is the Holocaust. And I believe if Southern Baptists were to come together and say, we want it stopped now without exception, without compromise, I believe God would bless that. And I think we start coming out from under the cloud that we're under. So I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent on, on the fact that it's, I think it's important that particularly pastors are out ahead on this issue. Um, you know, when, when the uh, SBC, what, didn't they have a resolution to, did they ever have a resolution to abolish uh, slavery or, or racism or, you know? I'm that, new to the SBC. I've only been there twice, so know, I don't know. It seems like every other year uh, the Presbyterian Church has an, a, a resolution to do something like this. I'm, I'm from the PCA. Right. Um, so in 1995, uh, we began to repent <clears throat> for our complicity in slavery. Yeah. You won't find resolutions because slavery's dead. This is the problem. Uh, abortion's still going on. Right. I, I don't want it to be... Uh, whoever will be alive in 2035 uh, repenting of our complicity in abortion before it was abolished and yet us not be the ones leading the way for it to be abolished. Yeah. And here's, I think that sometimes in this conversation, I've had these conversations, look, depending on who you talk to um, and who you, how you define abolitionists, I would consider myself in that category. But I think there's a, a misconception of, of both sides. When people see abolitionists, they're, they're afraid that if uh, they do anything that is not full abolition or, you know, that all of a sudden they're going to be hated because all they could get, you know, in this particular battle, you know, it's, fights are incremental. There's always battles to win a war. In this particular battle, the only thing they could get is a heartbeat bill. And abolition is going to look at them and say, see, you shouldn't have even gotten that. You should have went for full abolition. It's like, I'm going for that. In the process, I got this. Don't hate me for that. I'm still going that way. Um, and I think that a lot of people are looking at abolition and saying, guys, we're on the same team, but we have a process of sanctification that we need to go through in order to be able to get full abolition. The other side, abolitionists are saying, look, 
You guys are sitting here settling for every little thing you can get and don't have the end goal in mind as you're trying to go down this road. And there's, there's some real fair and critique I think, there, and, and for I, sure. And yeah. I've been in the pro-life industry for so long, I see how people are using pro-life ministries to fund themselves and make themselves wealthy because they can cleanse people's consciousness. So I see the same thing. How, how, in, how is it that we can somehow come together and say, as long as your goal at the end of the day is every move that you're making to end abortion is a part of what you're, you're doing, then if you happen to get a little less than that in this side, but when you go back, you're going to get some more? How do we, because I don't think abolitionists are willing to favor that argument at all. And then, of course, there's different strains of, of abolitionists. They're, they're hardcore abolitionists that think that, that I compromise. Okay? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I actually thought that, you know, then and when they offered the amendment to your resolution, had you not accepted that, I was like, he's going to get lynched before he gets out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right? right. Yeah, and, and there were people that said that that, that one word uh, amendment made the whole resolution meaningless. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which I don't agree with that. Now, <clears throat> back to the question though: all these different incremental bills, they have not essentially slowed down abortion. The, the courts strike them down every time one is passed. They strike them down. And none of them are getting to be implemented, uh, and people rejoice and carry on with the Supreme Court hadn't recognized it. One of the major differences in abolitions, abolitionism is that we say the Supreme Court, Roe v. Wade, is not the law of the land. Right. It is a decision right. by nine judges. It's an iniquitous decision, according yep. to Scripture. Yep. God does not recognize it. We should not recognize it. Yep. And it's time for Southern Baptists to rise up and say, the Supreme Court can pound sand yep. on their position on Roe v. Yep. Wade. That's yep. right. I, I absolutely agree with that, but I don't look at a city council that says, "I'm, uh, you know, w- this is a sanctuary town," um, and and I don't consider that a complete loss because they haven't been able to outlaw abortion, abortion and, and punish yeah. and punish women who are having abortions. I look right. at that and say, "Way to go, guys! Keep on going, keep pushing yeah. it, and fight the fight when the legal battles come." Until we can get to the place where murder is looked at like murder. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of my abolitionist friends, though, feel like that that's that's even enough. Right. And the, the position I, I was tutored by a, a constitutional law professor at LSU in Baton Rouge. And he said the only bill that's going to pass muster should it should pass muster with the Supreme Court is a bill that offers equal protection for all persons born and unborn. And he said, if you send a bill up that has exceptions with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the thinking is this. Well, so you want some citizens protected, right? But not all. Right. Uh, and he said that that kind of thinking is not going to be recognized. And, and the only you, thing that brings down Roe is equal protection for all born and unborn, and, without exception. And here's the deal: it's not like we haven't had a problem with that in this country since the founding. Yeah, right. You know, so right. I, I I think I think I actually really lean heavily on in your way with this. Well, and, and the the reasoning of of the original Roe versus Wade decision actually it actually reasoned from Texas law that made yep. exceptions for abortions and That's said right. if there are situations in which this is acceptable, then it can't be considered murder. Right. Straight up. Right. Otherwise, and so they reasoned from that, and and here we yeah. <laughs> here we are. Uh, I have yeah. to. I want to ask about so. <laughs> The ERLC, boy, yeah, they have a lot of stuff going on. And, <laughs> but it was interesting to me, though, that you have a bill. I mean, looking at the whole full narrative of this thing, you have a, a resolution that got canned and got pulled out. And then you have the ERLC give their report 
of the ERLC, and they spent all of their time talking about what they had done for the pro-life movement. Right. And, and so my question is, when if you really were to examine the power that the ERLC has, Bill, uh, what could they really have been doing for the pro-life movement, and what kind of steps you think they really could have been taking other than just – what was it they added? A couple more ultrasound, ultrasound systems, techs or whatever, the machines to help out. And But I'm thinking, like, you you got connections to the government. Like, surely you could be doing more. Right. They should be speaking truth to power. Uh, <laughs> you, you heard um, the, the guy that spoke during our debate held up. He said, he said, <laughs> excuse me, he said, he said, I don't have a baby, but I have a magazine. And it, <laughs> magazine. And and he, and he said in it, uh, there's an article about commemorating Roe v. Wade 50. Guys, Roe v. Wade 50 is two years away. That that told me all I needed to know. They have no intention mm. of seeing abortion end. Mm. They're planning on addressing this 50 years out. What we're saying is there doesn't need to be a Roe v. Wade 50. We're, we intend in Oklahoma to take our resolution to the Oklahoma Baptist Convention in November, get it passed, go to the Oklahoma legislature at the next session and say, this is where Oklahoma Baptists stand. And you know the cloud Oklahoma Baptists have in this, in this state. Mm. We expect you to either bring a bill for abolition out of the house onto the, to, to the Senate and the governor sign it, or there's going to be a cost to pay. Mm. So then now that this resolution, so that's what you guys are going to do in in Oklahoma. I just might change my mind about Oklahoma. You know, <laughs> I love this. Moment. What, 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 now that this resolution has passed in the SBC, what should the ERLC be doing with this resolution? They ought to be touting it. They ought to be holding it up and saying, here's where Southern Baptists want us to go. Let's get them there as quickly as possible. But there's not, I'll be very careful here. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not very hopeful at this point that that's going to happen. How do we get you uh, to be the head of ERLC? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, sorry. You say that, and and I, I would I would gladly accept uh, the nomination and the election to the to lead the ERLC. And here's what I would do. On day two, I would defund it. <laughs> You know what? Bars. That's why I'm laughing because that right there. Yeah, that's. You know, Bill. I'm, yeah, go ahead. We need it right now. I mean, it's 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 been for Russell Moore's tenure. It's been a Democrat operative machine. Wow. We don't need that anymore. We don't need a Republican operative machine. We don't need a Democrat operative machine. We need a voice to authority. And if we had people there speaking to power rather than strutting around being so excited about being able to play footsies with power, things would be different. Ooh. I, mm, Ooh. I, I, I want to know what, what you think this is, what's going to happen after this resolution now with the SBC, because it seems like they have something to hold up to take to government and say, hey, um, this is what we're pushing. This is what we want. Give it to us. What 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 is the play they should be running? Well, Again, we have abolitionists all across the convention, and their plan is to go back to their own state conventions and do the same thing we're talking about doing yep. and build momentum. Because because the way that abortion will be abolished in this country is when one state says, no, the Supreme Court cannot tell us who, when, where, how we get to kill uh, in this mm-hmm. in this state. Mm-hmm. We protect all of our citizens, born and unborn. 
and the Supreme Court can, can, as I said a while ago, pound sand. Once that happens, once the governor signs an abolition bill, once abolition becomes a reality in the states, a state, and the rest of the states begin to wake up and go, wait a minute. You mean we can do this? See, there are people right now since the convention reaching out to us saying, we didn't know that abolition was even an option. Right. Wow. wow. There's no the teaching them. Yeah. They've been taught by the pro-life industry that we just got to wait on Roe v. Wade to be overturned. You know, the thing I like about this play is it's coming from the church. Yeah. It's, it's um, of course, it's, they're trying to get it into the political sphere, but it's starting with the church, which would include, I'm sure in some cases, including repentance, in some cases, including mm-hmm. like, hey, oh, we can do this. Right. And right. and the movement is Education. coming from the church, yeah. Yeah. which is really good. Yeah. Bill, um, one of the things that you know, we, we, you're, we already joked about with you a little bit as we were getting on, on getting you online here today was, you know, whether or not you're going to be holding a baby when we got you <laughs> on here. And uh, and we're not, we're just a little bit disappointed that you're not, but not too bad, but um, I'm sorry. I, I tried to get one of my grandchildren over here, and it just it didn't work out. So. Maybe Neil can put in post production put a little baby next to Neil. But, but my my thought is so you know you um, the way this went down. I mean, you have a what I you know I read through the resolution. Just I mean a, a really strong strong. Um, you said a resolution with teeth, and I agree. It was, it was, it's a strong resolution on, um, we, you know, we do not have to submit, uh, to Supreme Court decisions that run contrary to the Word of God. Amen. Um, we need to stand up for the unborn in every way. We need to end this atrocity um, all across the board. Um, but one of the unique things about this abolitionist move was, um, how gracious you were yeah um how yeah. how careful you were with you know following the parliamentarian um order like you were respectful of the order and then you know the, the you didn't of, drop the baby yeah you did you did drop it <laughs> but um didn't my, hold the baby i let somebody else hold the yeah, baby. that's true but my question i mean again this is maybe king a little bit off what knox was asking a minute ago is I, I think there have been some points not all across the board but points at which abolitionists have shot themselves in the foot by being belligerent, angry, uh, you know, protesting churches, um, you know, this kind of stuff, um, rather than just winsomely trying to say we need to end this and um, and doing everything they can um, to to show the the love of Christ, the kindness of Christ, while having that backbone, is is this an indication of a sort of a I don't know a, a turning of that tide? I mean, I know there's always been abolitionists that have had gracious hearts i know that um but this would seem to be like a a new face to abolitionism do you think so i think so that was our intention we talked about it prayed about it a lot before the convention that we wanted to put before the people a and we use the term winsome a winsome compelling argument for abolition yeah Uh, we knew it's not an easy topic to talk about we knew we were challenging the status quo uh that if we were going to get it to the floor we're going to have to overrule the committee to do that and so uh, I went in intentionally. I, I watched the debate unfold on the Hyde Amendment uh, resolution. The woman that presented it uh, on, on the committee got all teary-eyed when somebody wanted to add an amendment to it. And I told our guys then, I said, if that woman is the one sent out to deal with our resolution, it's, we're going to go down like the Titanic. So I looked at my friends and I said, I need a baby. Does anybody have a baby? <laughs> Praise I'm, God. I'm the conventions for 40 something years, you need to learn to read the messengers there. Wow. Uh, they, they won't put up with people that are going to get belligerent. Uh, they, they don't appreciate that. And so I thought if I could come to the, to the microphone, uh, bring a little uh, 
humor into the thing. Uh, and, and so I did. I said, I have a baby here. I found a baby. His name's Charlie. He's very interested in what I have to say. Yeah. Uh, Someone told me, said, well, you won the you won the female vote at that point. And then when I went on to mm-hmm. do a little self-deprecation about how they had declined our resolution, and I said to them, I said, you know, you've declined it. My feelings are not hurt about that. I've been married 47 years. Last week was 47 years exactly on that day. And I said, I've been, I've been declined many times throughout our marriage. And so uh, <laughs> I, I connected uh, with the men, I think, at that point. And so I was... That's I told him, I went and said, I said, you could say that, that the Lord has used my wife to prepare me for this very moment. Um, some of my friends said, I can't believe you threw your wife under the bus. And I said, no, you don't know my wife. <laughs> <laughs> exactly She's still right. driving that bus. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and so she said, she shot me a note later on that evening. Good job, baby. Oh, hey, hey. praise God. Yeah, God bless Mrs. Askell. That, that, that rhetoric is something that we've lost, that winsome rhetoric. Yeah, that's and, a, we, and it's and it's it makes what we have to say even beautiful. So well, when usually when somebody says winsome, I wince. I right, ha- right, right. I, I usually hate that word. Because it yeah. usually means you're yeah. about to compromise. Like Russell Moore. <laughs> but speaking of which But when but when someone is standing there immovable on principles. Yeah. And then says, and in this place, without moving my feet an inch from the yeah. word of God, I will be gracious and kind and as, as rhetorically winsome as I possibly can. Praise God for that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, Bill, I got to ask before we go, we got to talk about your president. And I can say your president because he ain't my president. <laughs> <laughs> your president, um, uh, Ed Litton, has been busted. Uh, from what I can see now, there are four sermons that are out that looks like he plagiarized J.D. I only know of a response that he had. Him and J.D. wrote a response, not and together, but they might as well wrote it together. Yeah. Um, with, with them we saying, don't really know who, who actually wrote it and who's, <laughs> who's not giving attribution to the other one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what, do you, what do you make of this? And, and, and <sighs> Is Ed Litton done? <laughs> uh, probably not. Probably not, because these guys give cover to one another. Um, What he's done, sadly, I would say a lot of people do. These fellas, there's there's an elite mentality. Uh, I mean, when you read things like, well, the nine people that I have that that craft, that work on my sermons for me. Right. I'm thinking, nine people? I've I've heard your sermons. You need to fire them. (laughs) You need to fire about eight of them. Yeah. (laughs) This is, this is a thing in, in Southern Baptist life. We, we, I said a while ago, our elites have lost touch with the rank and file of Southern Baptists. And, and there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a reckoning that's coming uh, because have you ever heard the, the expression, don't treat me like a manure, like a, like a mushroom, feed me manure and keep me in the dark. That's we don't, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. So I don't know if he's done or not, but it's a, uh, you, if you start doing the digging, there's an awful lot of guys that are swapping sermons uh, that are they, – they sell their sermons, for crying out loud. Um, and it's, un, it's just ridiculous. So – that creative. I, I just have to go to the Word of God, the, say, the, Lord, teach me what it says, yep. and help speak the truth in love. That's well, old-fashioned. Well, we're, we're, we're welcome you as a Presbyterian brother. I'll tell you that right now. That's, that's, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds like right out of the New Testament. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> So you've confirmed for me that the sad truth is, is that Ed Litton represents us rightly. Is that what you're Ooh. saying? He represents a, a certain segment of the SBC 
Yeah. Wow. Oh, that wow. hurts. Oh. Wow. Bill, appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Mad Dog Bill Askell. Thank you, brother. Appreciate your fight, man. <laughs> Thanks God. for joining us here on Cross Politics. Oh. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. God bless you. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until Sunday, the Liberty Bash at Gabe's Barn. That's Love God right. with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics.